Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to this week's episode of Mill Liberty. I'm your host, Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I'm thrilled to have you here this week. This week is a real treat, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This week we have none other than John Stossel coming on to the program. Um, and I set him down and discussed with him really just uh, a plethora of topics to include his uh, career as a journalist and how that coincided with his journey into libertarianism. We also discussed third parties and the Libertarian Party and how much of a chance they have in the future and, and possibly some, uh, some lessons to learn from past mistakes. And then we also discussed uh, the recent Freedom Index as well as that the, the U.S. Is, is currently placed at, as well as uh, the State of the Union. That was obviously just recent. And some other things like the, the recent GOP tax bill. So we have plenty of subject matter to get into. So without further ado, please sit back and enjoy my interview with John Stossel. John Stossel, welcome to Mill Liberty. Thank you. Uh, well, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, for anybody who might be living under a rock and, and doesn't know your, your story or anything like that, why don't you uh, start out by just giving a little bit of a, a brief overview and a brief summary of, uh, of your journey as a journalist and then how that coincides with your journey as a libertarian. As a journalist, I just fell into the profession and was like most of them, a garden variety liberal who believed in problem, government, solution. And that's what I'd been taught at Princeton. And I certainly carried that with me and it was reinforced at the TV stations where I worked. I was a consumer reporter. Uh, invariably, I'd say, this guy got ripped off and uh, there ought to be a law. It's mm -hmm. intuitive to say that. And I won 19 Emmys doing that kind of reporting. But then I gradually saw that the laws didn't make things better, that the personal injury lawyers just ripped off people further, and that the solutions that all the so-called consumer activists were demanding just didn't work. So I started reading more. I discovered Reason magazine and they introduced me to libertarianism and it was like I was born again, born again, free market. <laughs> but that changed my reception in the, among my colleagues. I, I stopped winning Emmy awards. Right. Imagine that. It, I, I had suddenly gone from objective in their eyes to a conservative, and that's like the worst thing you could be in the mainstream media. It's like being a child molester. Right. Uh, <laughs> and they, they didn't even understand libertarianism. And uh, they just couldn't get their brain around the idea. I was, I clearly had a point of view when I'd been doing consumer reporting. I'm going to businesses and saying, you're cheating people. Why are you a crook? And you shouldn't do this. Uh, and I adopted that same personal approach to now reporting on government and they just found that a violation of all journalistic principles <laughs> god forbid that the the media actually questioned the government um 
Tell me about tell me about the difference between ABC and uh, and whenever you actually went over to Fox Business, the the kind of environments that were a little bit different there. Well, totally different in a number of ways. ABC was buttoned down, and they only had a couple hours a week to fill, and they had layers of lawyers and editors who would review each piece and drive me crazy with. How do you know this is true? What do you mean rent control hurts people? How can it? I live in a rent control building. Um, but at Fox, they're just putting stuff out. So uh, with the exception of a few legal issues, you could do what you wanted. And although many wouldn't think that Fox would be fine with my saying, let's legalize prostitution and other sex work or drugs or shrink the military or gay marriage is just fine. Polygamy is just fine. Um, I was never, ever censored. Mm -hmm. um, and and how, how does that differ from uh, your experience now? Obviously, with Reason, I, I had one of your, your colleagues on a few months ago, uh, Matt Welch, um, on, and he was, he was great. Um, but obviously, Reason is a completely different environment than uh, than either Fox or ABC, I assume. And it's also a different arrangement. I, I'm making a video a week, and if Reason didn't like the content, they wouldn't have to air it. Right. So I can do what I want now, and I am doing what I want, though I think most of it Reason would agree with. Um, so when you started at ABC, as you said, you were, you know, you were a pretty standard liberal and uh, you, you thought the government was the solution. What was it that was kind of the, the issue that, that put you over the edge into, into libertarianism? What was that one issue? Or maybe it wasn't one issue. Maybe it was a, a, gradual, um, a gradual fade into it. Uh, what, what eventually led you to that? It would be a better conversation if I could say it was one issue, but it, it was really gradual. I was not, not as smart as you, and that it took me a long time to see the light. But it's just as an example, I, this is even before ABC, would send, we'd send a TV set to 20 repair shops. It had a loose part, and 18 would say, oh, look, this is loose. Stick it back in, no charge. Two would say, oh, we've got to keep it over the weekend, and when we come back, they would charge us $200. And then I would say, well, why are you cheating me like that? This happened and that happened. Oh, no, that wouldn't happen. We never said that. Oh, yeah? And I would play the videotape, the hidden camera recording. And this was very dramatic, and it made for good television. And politicians would call up and say, that was great, and and so good that you do this and we're gonna pass a law that's gonna fix this. And young John Stossel was thrilled that these politicians were paying attention to me and uh, I was gonna change law. And they did in Oregon create a Department of Consumer Affairs shortly after I did the story. Um, but because I'm a stutterer, though obviously I've largely gotten it under control, I wasn't like most reporters who were jumping from beat to beat. I was avoiding the popular beats because I didn't want to have to shout out questions at politicians. And so I stayed on the consumer beat, which nobody else was really covering. And we would do the same story again. 
and get the same results. Most people were honest, a few would cheat, which made me wonder, so what, what's this Department of Consumer Affairs doing? They were licensing repair shops, and not just TV, but car repair shops. And in theory, this makes sense, that we license cars, we license, I mean, we license drivers, we license dogs, people think it makes us safer. In this case, it meant they were saying, you wanna open a repair shop, show that you know how to repair things. But all that really meant was that there was a dreary government room where people were submitting paperwork and the people who knew how to work the system would get it in and it would only raise their costs a little bit. Immigrants maybe didn't even know about the law. Some people would run their repair shop on the black market. Others had to hire lawyers and raise their costs quite a bit. It burdened everybody, but it didn't make any difference for the consumer. And I kept seeing that which made me wonder that there has to be a better solution. So I started reading the conservative media and I wasn't thrilled. They seemed to want to go to war with everybody and police the bedroom. Uh, but then I finally found reason. Um, do you find that in general terms, obviously this isn't uh, applicable to, to everything, but in general terms, do you find that conservatives are a little bit more easier to convince than liberals are because obviously as as you just mentioned your time at fox you had a lot of flexibility um a lot more than than abc did even despite the fact that they had some big government tendencies in other areas do you find that they're a little bit easier to to convince yes and more open to hearing other ideas probably because they have other ideas shoved in their faces all the time uh, while liberals just think, oh, we're right, and those other people are cretins. I, I didn't always think that way. I naively believed when I was at ABC that I could convince the left because issues like gay marriage or sex work, the, you know, those are deeply personal moral issues tied in with religion. Um, but the economics ought to be explainable to people. They ought to be able to see how the welfare state encouraged dependency and stopped progress against poverty. They taught people to be passive. And one time there was a father of a kid who went to school with my kid who was starting his own radio show on Air America. And I thought, I could convince this guy. And this, unfortunately, was Al Franken, the fourth <laughs> senator. And he just screamed at me for an hour about how his mother, because of welfare, because of lying to welfare, actually, it's about needing her roof fixed or something, got money and then used it to go to school. And because of that, everything good happened. And I said, well, you spend a trillion dollars on a program. There'll be some good that will come out of it. And he said, oh, they don't spend a trillion dollars. And I tried to show him that they spend much more than that. Now it's 22 trillion. But it was just screaming at me. The left wing brains are closed. And even my own wife, I fight with after 30 years of marriage on these issues. I can barely, I've moved her, but it's not natural to her. Conservatives, however, would listen. On the other hand, Hannity never wanted to have me on the show to argue about legalizing drugs. <laughs> 
And now that would have been a, a very interesting segment, though you, you were on Bill O'Reilly quite a bit. And they would have one or two conversations about it, but then they just didn't really want to talk about it. Right. People I, want confirmation bias. Right. I do feel, though, that that, that is a, a pretty accurate assessment, um, that, that conservatives are, are generally a little bit more more open to these kind of ideas. Um, because I know just in my own household, when I remember watching your show when I was much younger, um, and I was, I would sit there and watch it with my dad and, you know, there'd be some things that you would say, cause he, he's a very social conservative man. Um, and there'd be some things that you would say, or your, your guests would say, um, and he would almost, I, I could almost feel his, uh, his, his essence being triggered. But, um, at the same time, he would at least listen to it and at least say, you know, this is a, a legitimate argument that they are making. So, so I, I do agree with that to, uh, to a certain extent, certainly. Uh, you recently made a video uh, right around New Year about uh, the Libertarian Party and the chances that they had. At, obviously, after 2016, um, they did not do as well as, as we all had probably hoped, uh, despite having a, a relatively easy opportunity in front of them. Um, what chances do you think the Libertarian Party has to gain national prominence in, in the coming years? I have no clue. I, I just have nothing useful to add, Caleb. I, I thought Gary Johnson would catch on. He obviously didn't. It may have been his personality, but you know, most people don't think about government and politics. And to ask them to think beyond Republicans and Democrats is more difficult than I thought. I did it partly because it was my job. But if you really think about what goes on in life, that maybe 1% of the people make things happen, 9% watch those people make things happen, that's the cable news audience, and the 90% say, wake up the next morning and say, what happened? because they're paying attention to work and family and making money and sports and fashion and a thousand other things, music and movies. Mm -hmm. And we're fortunate to live in a country where you don't have to pay that much attention to politics because generally awful things aren't happening to most people. Uh, what, I'm just curious, what do you think of, um, of, of Larry Sharp's campaign currently in New York for governor because his his candidacy is is compelling to me well other than having read an interview with him in reason uh-huh I he's not on my radar screen uh-huh because I I know that he has raised actually a quite substantial amount of money for for a third party candidate certainly in a state like New York well, that's good. Um, and I should probably do a video with him. Mm -hmm. uh, but so far, nobody I know has mentioned him other than you. <laughs> well, that's that's unfortunately, I think, the uh, the common thread in, in liber with uh, libertarian politics is uh, it's a lot of in-house conversations and not enough, not enough uh, external conversations about it. Um, so you you also recently did a video on the uh, on the Freedom Index that Cato recently uh, released. The U.S. is down seventeenth. Um, 
or are they down or are they up just a little bit? They're up a little bit from last year, but they're down overall. Down over the past few decades. Okay. Um, so I, I'm curious with things like uh, the tax bill, for example, um, which we can get into a little bit of that uh, here here in a little bit, um, or or some deregulations thing. Do you think that that would help any with with um, with raising that score up? I think that lowering taxes raises the score, but running up deficits decreases the score. Right. So it's it's a give and take in in that situation. Yes. What what uh, is your overall feeling of of the tax bill? Because I I, I have some some mixed feelings. I, I feel like it's generally a good thing, even though it could be a lot better. And it's certainly I feel like with. With when Republicans talk about cutting taxes, you know, this should be a, a cakewalk for them. Yet it, it seems like it's like pulling teeth just to get something like this, something very mediocre. Yeah, I, it, I wish it were simpler. That to me is sorry about the sirens, but this is New York. Oh, you're fine. The the idea that people spend hundreds of thousands of hours and billions of dollars just filling out the forms and and then even more dodging taxes is a horrible drain on what the economy should be. But to just cut really isn't cutting taxes because the real tax is spending. Right. And if if you're not paying for stuff, it's you just it's another form of Big government spending running up a deficit. Right, because spending is the actual growth of the government. Right, and it will have to be paid for at some point. Or I'm surprised. I've been proven wrong about inflation so far, but eventually that rubber band will break. You can only pull it so far. All right, it's it's less about time. It's a it's a matter of when, not not if. Right. So why uh, Bitcoin? Yeah, exactly. Uh, what are what are some of your thoughts about Bitcoin since you since you bring that up? It's it's had a bit of a roller coaster recently. <laughs> a bit, that's a yeah. statement. Um, I it I it was new to me. I had a guy on my show, and he talked about it, and I thought this kind of makes sense, but stupidly. It, took me a year before I bought some. Had I bought the day the guy was on my show, the price was $9. Uh, I bought it at $200 about. Um, but it just made sense that they're printing all this money. Why believe in something with pictures of dead presidents on it that's backed by politicians? Mm-hmm. Virtually nothing. It's yeah. devious group of lying opportunists there is. And I can do arithmetic. I can see the promises they make for Social Security and Medicare. And I can see what happens to me now that I'm on Medicare. When you go to the doctor's office, nobody even discusses price. They don't ask. I don't ask. It's all free. And people my age rudely refuse to die. And for people your age to fund us, it's just not possible, even if the economy grows at 4%. And yet nobody's talking about cutting that. So you could buy gold, but gold is unwieldy. 
Uh, you could buy little silver coins, and I've done both, and have those investments have sucked over the years. I should have, <laughs> should have been an optimist and bought stocks, uh, but finally with Bitcoin, it paid off. Mm -hmm. So now it's down uh, below nine thousand dollars. I say. Um, shifting gears just a little bit, uh, did did you happen to watch the State of the Union the other night? I did. And uh, what are what are some of your overall thoughts about that? Because there was a lot of good, but there was also some concerning points that uh, that Trump was making during it. Yeah, uh, his anti-immigrant stuff is upsetting, and I hate the he was better in this speech than other times. But yeah, I yeah. It, it all seems to be about him. He used his inside voice for this one. <laughs> And, you know, it's it's nice to have an ego, but it's not supposed to be about him. It's supposed to be about the country. Right. But isn't that isn't that kind of the way every president is with with the State of the Union anymore? Yes, I've done this. I've done that. And Trump's most egregious aren't I wonderful stuff was was not visible in this speech. Mm -hmm. um, some of the things that you mentioned uh, first, like right to try, for example, I thought was very, very promising that uh, that there's anybody in Washington, let alone the president of the United States, uh, talking about something like that, which to me seems obvious. But then, you know, he he almost as soon as he said right to try, he said that we should have uh, paid paid family leave. And have have the government mandate that, and I thought that was, I, I didn't really understand how he could come to both conclusions. Right, um, and paid family leave is terrific if an employer wants to offer that as part of their strategy. But if Ivanka is going to convince the Donald to make that the law of the land, that just discourages employers from hiring a woman who might get pregnant. Right. I mean, you saw the same thing with the Americans with Disabilities Act. It's every past a hundred to nothing, I believe, in the Senate. Bush signed it. This is going to protect disabled people. But a lower percentage of disabled people ended up in the workplace in the years after the law was passed. Because an employer knows if I hire this disabled person, which I want to do because many are good workers and you want to help a disabled person, but I can never fire him because he's now a legally protected class and I will get caught up in this horrible legal system. If anything goes wrong, it's safer just to find a reason to hire somebody else. And they do. It, it doesn't help women. It won't help the disabled. The best thing is when employers are and employees are free to make their own deals. Right. Freedom of association, I think, is probably the um, one of the the biggest issues in the in the future that will be really coming to, to heads with uh, centered around their issues like the the gay cake, the gay wedding cake um, that has a lot to do with that, and then even you know some of the stuff that you mentioned there. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a, a major legal battle in the very near future. I assume so, and it's heartbreaking that it is. I don't think it goes far enough. I think if you start a business 
it should be your right to serve anybody you want. If you yeah. want to say, I want to serve people from Korea who stand on their head, it, it's your business. And if you're a racist or sexist, there are plenty of us who will boycott your business and there are other businesses who will clean your clock by not being racist. The market would police it better than this rigid rule that says everybody must serve everybody exactly the same way. Are you optimistic um, about, well, are you, okay, let me, let me ask it this way. Are you optimistic about some of the certain types of people that are being sent to Washington uh, currently? Because while, yes, it's still government, but, you know, back in the Bush era, there were no Rand Pauls or Justin Amashes or anything like that, uh, whereas now there are at least a small but growing number of individuals who are who are being sent to Washington that are like that. Yes, that's that's a good sign that at least there are people enough people there to ask the questions that some of these idiots have never heard before. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, there are debates over uh, FISA court and surveillance and, and all these different things that would have never even been considered just, you know, 10, even 15 years ago. Right. Or the idea that a sports stadium maybe shouldn't be subsidized by government, that that's corporate welfare. Right. Um, so you had. Go ahead. No, I wasn't saying anything. Oh, I'm sorry. It must have been an echo. Um, you had, uh, I think, the only libertarian debate on television televised. Is that correct? It could be. I. I did have, I think I've had a few, no, maybe just one, I can't remember, <laughs> with the three candidates who polled highest at the Libertarian Convention in Florida. Uh, what what were some of the things that, that you, you took away from, from that? Because that obviously was a, a big step in the right direction, even though it wasn't quite as mainstream as some of the other debates it was i mean that was that was huge i remember a lot of people were really excited that finally we have a a libertarian debate instead of just seeing the the two major parties go at it me too and i'd interviewed austin peterson before and he speaks well and i'd heard gary speak well and I just was crushed in the opening statement when Gary gets up there and they're going to, they have a minute to say something about themselves. <laughs> and instead of talking about limited government or something like that, he talks about how he's got a new girlfriend that he's in love and he likes to climb mountains and just thinking this is not the way to win skeptical votes. And then John, God, I'm blocking on his name. McAfee? McAfee? McAfee, yeah. McAfee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he gave a good, crisp, clear statement. Uh, but then he's sort of sketchy in other ways. Right, right, right. And Austin is young, and I'm glad he didn't get the nod, because he's now become, a, am told, a Trump uh, all-in kind of guy which doesn't seem very libertarian to me. Right. I've, I've had Austin on the, on the program before, and um, some of the Trump things are, 
Yeah, I I don't necessarily agree with, but I I do uh, I I do think he's he's got a pretty good chance in Missouri at this point. A running as a libertarian or as a Republican? as a Republican. Uh, okay, good for him. <laughs> obviously, that's you know obviously that uh, doubles down on the on the two party on the two party thing, but. Um, whether my my biggest concern is is not as much about uh, about the parties, but the but the individuals who who actually are sent there. But the parties matter because that's how people vote in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do want to shift just a little bit about uh, a little bit more more personally. What investigation or interview uh, during your career was probably uh, the most shocking or, or revealing to you? I think <laughs> the most shocking was when I got beaten up by a professional wrestler. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I remember that one very well. I, what, revealing was doing a, an hour show on greed. Um, and Walter Williams making the argument that he has more respect for a thief than Congress because the thief doesn't expect you to pat him on the back after he takes your money. And I just thought that was ridiculous. But now, years later, <laughs> I think he has a point. Um, another moment in that same show was David Kelly saying, who did more for the world, Mother Teresa or Michael Milken? And for your listeners who don't know, Michael Milken is a financier who went to jail for securities fraud, which may or may not have deserved to go to jail for. But he was the bad guy at the time, the rich guy who went to jail. But Milken probably created a million jobs because he invented junk bonds, high interest rate loans, and those were used to start all kinds of companies that exist today. So Mother Teresa helped a few thousand people. Michael Milken helped millions. And every year that they keep their job, they're being helped. So no question Michael Milken did more for the world than Mother Teresa. I had a few of those moments in the interviews. The, the biggest was my first TV special, where as a consumer reporter, I was constantly doing stories on this will kill you and this can hurt you. And I got to the point where I thought I'm not doing a service if I'm not ranking these risks and they're not all equally dangerous and you can only worry about so much. And that eventually I talked ABC and letting me do an hour called we're scaring you to death. They made me rename it. Are we scaring you to death? And to see how regulation itself kills people by slowing the economy. Because while pesticide residues or cigarette smoking uh, shorten lives, nothing shortens lives as much as being poor. And if there's lots of safety rules, and that means the supermarket doesn't open for another month, that kills people too by leaving people poor. And this was considered too controversial at ABC. Two producers quit rather than work on that story. But 
ABC, to its credit, let me run the show as long as there was a Nightline-like discussion show afterward where people could rebut it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But researching that brought my name, my brain around to what is real safety? And it's just stupid to worry about getting brain cancer from your cell phone or flying or you're an idiot to drive farther to get to the organic food store. Who was your ideological hero? Hero. Or the one who has had the most influence on on your thinking? Virginia Postrel, the editor of Reason at the time when I discovered it. You know, what what uh, what reasons behind behind that uh, behind that way of thinking? It was when my brain was empty and I would read her editorials and it was, oh my God, yes, of course. Why didn't I think of that? And gee, I hadn't read that and let me read more about that. And she wrote well and she addressed the issues of the day from a point of view that made total sense to me. I assumed she was much older than I and only much later did I learn she's 10 years younger. Well, I mean, you you look very very young for uh, for how old you are, so it's to your credit. Um, what uh, what book has had the the greatest influence on your thinking? Uh, Charles Murray's book, In Pursuit of Happiness and Good Government. Where what uh, what when at what stage of your life did did you find that one at? It was probably one of the books that Postrel recommended, and so I was just becoming libertarian, and I read that and thought, hmm, Sky has thought a lot more about this than I have, and I think he's right. Um, <clears throat> real quick, what? How, how's your how's your health, by the way? Because I know you had uh, I know you had cancer. Um, how how's that going right now? Uh, so far, so good. I had a stage one thing plucked out of my lung and one lobe of my lung plucked out with it. But uh, I feel healthy. And at my age, I think odds are that I'll probably die driving around Fort Lauderdale this weekend where I'm going to play volleyball. So uh, the cancer seems to be under control. I'm good. I'm glad to hear that. Um John, I, I really enjoyed this interview. Uh, thank you for coming on. Please, real quick, can you uh, plug in some of uh, your your social media? And if anyone wants to find you on, on YouTube or, or has any stories for you, where, where can they uh, get, get in touch with you? You can just Google the name and you'll find it on YouTube or Twitter or Facebook. And if it's because some of these don't show you everything, if you follow me on Twitter or like my Facebook page, Facebook won't show it all. We do a video a week. If you send an email, we'll send you a link to the email. And I promise I won't sell your email address or <laughs> junk, but the address to email is just john at johnstossel.com. All right, perfect. Um, and uh, of course, you can follow me at Caleb Franz. You can follow the show at Mill Liberty. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes so that you will never miss an episode or an update. John, thank you so much again for, for being a part of the program. Um, and until next yep. week, we'll see you.